So this week, this past week, my dad came and visited, and he brought something with him that is really special, really important. This shoebox. Now, you may be wondering why a shoebox is so important. Uh, this is a 25-year-old shoebox. This is a shoebox that, I, until he brought it, it had been 25 years since I opened it. In this shoebox, I put really important things. Now, keep in mind, I was a teenager at the time, and our brains are not fully formed when we're teenagers. <laughs> also recall that I was a boy, and we have about the intelligence of an orangutan when we're teenagers. So, with that in mind, I want to just share a couple of the really significant things. See, I had a goal. Um, there, there, there was a, a grid, kind of a lens I looked through. What was I going to put in this box? I was going to put in this box what was going to make me a millionaire when I opened it. That's what went in. So, exhibit A. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle trading cards. I looked these up on eBay. I can get up to, now this isn't opened. These are not opened. I can get up to, you ready for this? 40 times what I paid for this, which would be awesome if I hadn't paid a quarter. <laughs> 10 bucks right here. $10. Look out, Bill Gates. I'm coming. Okay, on top of that, I have a Star Wars action figure. Now, when I was younger, I had Darth Vader, I had Han Solo, I had Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker right now, in mint condition on eBay, is going for $1,600. I have a TIE fighter pilot. <laughs> He's going for about 10, 10 bucks. There's a part of me that feels like I insulted orangutans at the beginning of my message when I look at some of the things in this box. Right, this box is filled with stuff like this. Right, no millionaire, maybe, I don't know, 50 bucks or something. I was making decisions. I was trying to determine what do I want in this thing. When I open this, whenever I open it, years later, what do I want there to be? And it was about, at that point, money. How do I get money? And so, like, I've got Aladdin trading cards in here. I mean, unopened Aladdin trading cards. They're like a buck 25 for the whole package on eBay. We are always making decisions. Now, some of those decisions are things like, Am I going to have chocolate cake or tiramisu? And of course I'm going to have chocolate cake because tiramisu? Really? It's like a spongy, weird kind of... I'm sorry, if you like tiramisu, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I'm talking about decisions like, do I take this job or this job? Do I quit my job or keep going because there's decisions here? I've got this very difficult relationship, and I'm not sure how to, how to act in this relationship. I'm making decisions about this relationship. We are, on a regular basis, 
making significant decisions in different areas of our lives, what is the lens, what's the grid that you are using to make those decisions? I was using money. That, that was my grid for my you know, 17-year-old brain. Money. What's your grid that you're making decisions with? What we're going to see today is the grid that the Apostle Paul uses. He's going to share it with the Philippians, and then he's actually going to give an example where he's applying it, and we're going to see some of his thinking. Uh, He's going to walk them through kind of what he was going through, how he's processing a situation that he's in, and how he takes that grid and he uses it to make his decision. Open up your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to leave this amazing box right here on the altar for a while. We'll see if it'll help. Philippians chapter 1. What is Paul's grid? Philippians chapter 1, we're actually beginning right in the middle of verse 18, just because of where it it, it took place. If you notice on the thing, it says 18b, and it's because they broke it in the middle of a sentence in the English. So 18b. Yes, and I will rejoice. I remember from last week, at the end, he said, I'm going to rejoice even though things are hard. Even though I'm going through something that is not easy. And, and he's not denying that it's hard. Paul doesn't come out and just go, yeah, I'm in prison and people are insulting me and making life miserable for me, but hey, everything's good. What he says is, it's challenging, but I'm rejoicing anyway because of what God is doing. Well, here he is, another reason for rejoicing. Yes, and I will rejoice. Why? For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And I need to spend a few moments. This will be a little bit technical, but I think you can follow. That word deliverance, it is usually translated salvation. In the scriptures. And it is a word that scholars struggle with in this particular passage. Uh, And here's why there are at least three options of what he could mean right here. One, he could mean it's gonna turn out for my deliverance from jail. Remember, Paul is in prison while he's writing this, and he's waiting for his trial to come. And so, one, this could be he's saying, because you guys are praying and because of the help of the Spirit, I'm going to be released from prison. A second one focuses purely on that word salvation as we usually think of it. That I will be saved through this. I want to suggest that there's a third option. And that third option is almost an in-between kind of thing. And here's why I think it. This one part of this verse right here. This will turn out for my deliverance. That is, in Greek, an exact quote of Job 13, 16 in the Greek version of the Old Testament. In what you have quoted in the Old Testament, in your new, some of it comes from the Hebrew version. Some of it comes from what's called the LXX, the Greek version. In fact, more of it comes from the Greek version, actually. And some of it comes from a version we may not have. Word for word, the tense of each of the, everything in there 
is exact in Job 13, 16. I don't think that's an accident. Here's why. Paul quotes the Old Testament more than 130 times in his writings. He knows the Old Testament. Number two, it's the same kind of thing. Here's what's going on in Job 13. Job is basically on trial. His friends are accusing him of sin, and Job is saying, I'm innocent. What's happening to me right now is not because of my sin. And they keep saying, no, it's because of your sin. If you just repent, God would take this away. And here's what Job does. If I could present my case before the Almighty, it would be shown that I have been faithful to God. That the charges that the friends are leveling against me are not true. I'd be acquitted. This is the same thing. Paul is getting ready to go on trial. And he quotes a guy who is on trial. And Job says, this is going to turn out for my salvation. And here's what Job meant. Job was not talking about salvation in the way that we think of it. He wasn't talking about being saved by grace because of faith in Jesus Christ. What Job meant in that context is if you could see my entire case, my friends, all of you, you would see that I have been faithful to God. That what's happening to me is not because of my sinfulness. It's something else. I don't know what it is, but it's not my sinfulness. I would be shown to be faithful. I'd be acquitted. Paul is doing the same thing right now. Paul says, I am rejoicing because I know that when I stand before the Lord, I will be found faithful. And he goes on to say a couple things about it. Just keep following with me here. Um, The ESV, which I normally really, really like, um, they've reversed a few things. This, through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that actually comes after the part we just talked about in Greek. They've moved it to the front. And I think it takes away from what he's saying. I'm going to rejoice because I know when I stand before the Lord, I will be, a, I will be found to have been faithful to, the, to Christ. And that is going to happen because you guys have been praying for me, and prayer is real, and it's strengthening me, and the Spirit of God is living in me, and he is strengthening me so that, keep going with me, As it is my eager expectation and hope, this is what Paul thinks is going to happen, and because of their prayer and because of the Spirit, he really believes it's going to happen, I will not at all be ashamed. That word is also used contextually for the idea of not being disgraced before the Lord because somebody turned away. You see it in Peter's letter. You see it in James. Not turning away from the Lord. I will not be ashamed But with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. I will at some point stand before the Lord, and I will stand before him knowing that I faithfully honored Christ while I was in prison, even when I get pulled before the tribunal. When I stand before this Roman judge, I will not back down but will honor Christ because you guys are praying for me because the Spirit is in me and I believe I will stand firm even when I'm being accused and Christ will be honored. And here's the key. Whether by life or by death, here 
is Paul's grid. Christ is honored. Whether I live or I die doesn't ultimately matter. Was I honoring Christ in my life? Was I honoring Christ when I died? That's what matters. Paul's grid for deciding the things in his life, is it going to honor Christ? Is it honoring Christ? Whatever decision I make. And you can't get much bigger than life and death. And we're not talking about just do I take job A or job B. We're talking about do I live or do I die? Dying is kind of permanent. And he says it doesn't matter as long as I'm honoring Christ. That is what matters to him. That's his grid. Does he honor Christ? Yesterday, I had a few things left to do. Um, I had gone to Seattle for a couple of days at the beginning of the week, and I didn't get as much done. And so my family gave me a couple of hours to get some work done. And so they took off. They went somewhere. I'm working. I worked for about two, two and a half hours while they were gone. And they came back, and they decided to watch Charlotte's Web. I decided to keep working. I didn't really want to go watch Charlotte's Web. But partway through... I just kind of got burned out. I'm like, I'm tired of working. I think I'm going to go join my family and I'm going to watch Charlotte's Web. And so I'm sitting on the couch watching this show. And this is not the cartoon version. It's the, the newer version. It's, you know, real people and then the animals. And, and here's what I'm thinking to myself. This is a show about a pig and a spider. Why is anybody watching this show? I mean, I don't know about you, but what do you do with spiders when you see them in your house? I kill them. That's what I do with spiders. My family screams, I kill the spider. I, I don't have it as like the main character on a cute children's program. And I'm just watching them, and then a pig. Like, I could see maybe a kitten, maybe a puppy. It's a pig and a spider. Those are your two main characters in the show. And I'm just thinking, this is such a dumb show. But I keep watching it anyway, this dumb show. And as I'm watching this dumb show, it gets to the last scene. And here's the pig, and there's the spider, and the spider's telling the pig, I've just laid all of my babies, and now I can't go back with you. I'm going, this is so dumb. And the pig is like, but you have to come back with me. And the pig is starting to cry. Yeah, there's a pig crying. And then the spider looks like it's crying, but it's so small you can't see. And then I start crying. Like, what the heck is going on? This is a spider to pig, and I'm crying. But I'm also hiding it well, because I'm sitting next to my wife, and I've been grumbling the whole time, and I'm like, something in my eye. But it's not tears. Really, it's not. Now, why were we watching this show anyway? My daughter tried out for Charlotte's Web for the Frisco uh, Children's Theater. And so we're, like, watching it because she got a call back. And she wanted to get the characters and know them better. And, but when she got the call back, my wife pulled out and she goes, Kira, you got... And she kind of paused. And then she said, you got the call back. But she said it in a very apologetic tone. Like it wasn't a, woohoo, you got a call back. It was more like a, you got a call back, honey. Um, you got a call back for uh, Fern's mom or Edith. 
who has like two lines in the entire thing. And you could just hear my wife, like she's kind of let down and she's like, you know, my daughter, she goes, I got a call back. I don't care what role it is, I got a call back. I get to go back? She's so excited because all that mattered is she got a call back. She didn't care what role it was. She didn't care how much or how little. In fact, she also knew that she wasn't guaranteed a part. She was just so excited. She got a call back. It's all that mattered. All that matters is that Christ is honored. It doesn't matter how little or how much or how, how, how big your role is or how small your role is. It doesn't matter how big the decision or how little the decision is. What ultimately matters is that Christ is honored. That's Paul's grid. Now, what does that look like? Keep going. I think this is such a cool passage because Paul actually, it's like, it's like you're getting into his brain a little bit. Um, it's almost like he's brainstorming. He hasn't written this yet. He's like getting thoughts out there and then he'd write something to them. We get a glimpse into Paul just kind of thinking through. And what he's doing is he's applying that grid that Christ is honored is my main thing. Here's what it looks like. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And remember, he had that life-death thing. It's almost like he starts thinking. For me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Keep going. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. I mean, you could, you could almost hear his mind as he's dwelling on it. Like, if I'm to stay around, that would be fruitful labor. I'd be working for the gospel. Things would be produced. More people would be saved. Churches would be encouraged if I'm to stay around. Yet, which shall I choose? I can't tell. I'm not sure where to go yet. Like, these are both really good options, actually. To live as Christ and to die is actually gain. And he goes on. But to remain, sorry, um, I am hard-pressed between the two. Have you ever felt that before? Have you had a decision where you're going, like, in this case, they're both actually good options. I'm just not sure which one to do. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know if I should take this one or this one. I'm really torn. My desire. You don't get this a lot of here, though, Paul. You don't get a whole lot of Paul to sing personally. Like, let me just step outside of my role for a minute. Personally, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. Now, before going on, I need to take a moment, and I'm going to talk about this. A couple things about Paul, because basically, here's what he just said. It'd be better just to die. That's what he just said. And here's what I want to say to all of us. That is not morbid in the way Paul is doing it. It's also not Paul giving up. It's not Paul just taking the easy road out. What Paul is saying here is, it is far better. In Greek it says it's much more. It is far better to be with Christ. It's not so much that I want you to like slit my wrist. It's that if I die, I'm going to be with him. That is the best possible outcome. 
Paul's not giving up. He's not being morbid. Paul is recognizing something. If you go through the Apostle Paul's life, hey, he has been serving the Lord for decades. And if you go through and you look at the things he went through, in fact, you can look at 2 Corinthians 11, where he gives a list of stuff. Paul has been beaten more than once with rods. He's been whipped more than once. He's been stoned, shipwrecked. He's gone without food. He's had no place to sleep. He's been, I mean, just, there's this whole list of things he's gone through. Here's what I think is going on with Paul. Paul has faithfully served the Lord for a really long time. And he has suffered for it immensely. And he's not come to the end and he's just gone, oh, I'm just so tired of this. Just take me, Lord. Rather, he's come to a point where he said, I have faithfully served and it has been hard and I am ready to be with my Lord. That is so much better than anything this planet has to offer, to go be with Christ. My wife shared a story with me this week, and it is very much what Paul is going through. If you think about all of Paul's suffering, you think about all of his life, and you think about this point where Paul just says, I'm ready, about, actually about, it's 18 months ago. Um, 18 months ago, there was a family whose four-year-old daughter had an incurable disease. She had been suffering her entire life because not only was the disease incurable, but it required painful surgery after painful surgery to the point that they were losing track of the number of surgeries. And she was four years old. She hated the hospital, this little girl. And one day, they had a conversation with her. They had talked some about heaven before. They had talked about Jesus. This little girl knew God. And this is the conversation. It's, in, it's on her blog. This is the conversation they had. Here's the mom. Julie, if you get sick again, do you want to go to the hospital or stay home? Juliana said, not the hospital. Mom, even if it means that you'll go to heaven if you stay home? Yes. The mom. And you know that mommy and daddy won't come with you right away. You'll go there by yourself first. Juliana, don't worry. God will take care of me. The mom. And if you go to the hospital, it may help you get better and let you come home again and spend more time with us. I need to make sure that you understand that. The hospital may let you have more time with mommy and daddy. The little girl. I understand. The mom, and she has in parentheses, she's crying now. I'm sorry, Juliana. I know you don't like it when I cry. It's just I'll miss you so much. And here's the little girl. That's okay. God will take care of me. He's in my heart. Little girl passed away on Tuesday of this past week. This is what the mom said. She fought hard to be here, harder, harder than anyone I've ever seen fight, with a body that was too frail for this world. 
She was so brave, and I hated that she had to be so brave. This last fight was not to be won by her body. It was tired, and it needed rest. And when it did, she was comfortable. Today she is free. Our sweet Juliana is finally free. When it first came out 18 months ago, there were lots of people that were attacking the family. How could you dare give a four-year-old the option to make this decision? The mom is a doctor. They brought hospice care back to the home. The dad today actually posted something because they realized it was Father's Day. Um, but like when you lose your child, that just kind of slips your mind. And he wrote a letter to his daughter and he talks about it, that the last 18 months had been the best time she had had. When they stopped, and these are his words, when they stopped trying to fix something that couldn't be fixed and just trusted God, their little girl had new life for 18 months. But they did it because it was time for the fight to be over. Not because they were like, oh, we're just tired of taking you to the hospital. It wasn't because they just had some weird, morbid sense of, it was because they believed in Christ, and their daughter believed in Christ, and they had multiple conversations with her about heaven, and it was time, because being with Christ is far better, and so it was with Paul, and if you can't see that, you will miss how hard his decision was as we keep reading on. Because it wasn't easy for Paul to go, well, it'd be better to be with Christ, but oh, whatever, I'll just go this direction. This was a huge decision for Paul. He had suffered tremendously. He had given of his life for years and years. And now he wanted to be with his Lord. Even as this little girl did. But... Go back into your Bible. But, verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. There's joy again. Their joy, though. He'll bring them joy. I think I'm going to stay because your progress in the faith will be more if I stay around. Your joy in the faith will be more if I stay around. And then look, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you. It's all about his glory and their good through him. Why does Paul make this decision? Here's Paul. Whether I live or die, ultimately doesn't matter. It's I honored Christ. That's what matters. And now I'm in the situation where am I going to live or I'm going to die? Now remember, he doesn't actually have a choice. The Romans are going to decide whether he lives or die, but he's still thinking through it. What do I want? Well, what I want is to go be with my Lord. I want all the pain to end. I want all the suffering to end. However... What I care about is honoring Christ more than my own desires. And so I think I'm going to stick around because of you guys. 
and because of you bringing glory to him. Because if I stay around, you're going to grow. If I stay around, you're going to have joy. If I stay around, Christ will be glorified. And I'm so convinced that that's what this is all about that I think I'm going to stay. I think I'm going to get acquitted. I'm going to be let off the hook. I'm so convinced that that's what this is all about. Glorifying Christ. What does that mean? Right now, I, I don't know what you are going through. I know some of it. Some of you have talked to me. I know some of the trials you have right now. Some of the things related to work and related to relationships, related to sin, related to these decisions that you have to make that are really hard. I know that all of us have made decisions that we wish we hadn't made. And we've actually made them more than once. And sometimes we're still making them. And here's Paul saying, I want you to stop right here for a minute. I want you to throw a new grid out there. Instead of asking, what will give me the most money? Instead of asking, what will make me the happiest? Instead of even asking, hear me, instead of even asking what will take care of my family the best, I want you to back it up even one step further. What will honor Christ? Start there. It may lead you to, I need to take this particular job because it's going to take care of my family better than this other one. But start here. What will honor Christ? And, and let me see if I can convey how important this is. I had forgotten what was in this box. I honestly had forgotten. It had been 25 years. How much of, do you remember from 25 years ago about a shoebox? I just didn't, like, I, I guess I thought, okay, I think there's probably some pictures in there, and I mean, I know there's got to be some things in here that I wasn't sure what it all was, though. But before I opened the box, I had forgotten why I put certain things in here. But I did have a desire. There was something that I wanted. I wanted to open this box 25 years later, and I wanted some pictures of my family. That would have mattered. I mean, I, because of digital photography and I, cell phones and everything, I mean, I have so many pictures of my kids. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds and thousands of pictures. But we didn't have that. I've got like one or two little albums of pictures and that's it. And most of them are like faded and, and I was, I'm opening this thing going, oh man, I'm so hoping that like, I, I can find some pictures of stuff. And, and one of the first things that I found, I found some pictures. This is a, an old faded picture of a drag racing car. I'm not in it. My family's not in it. Nobody I know is in it. There's some person doing something to the back of it and working on the tire. I have no idea who these people are. I have about a dozen of these. I'm going, who cares? Like, who cares about this? It's, it's a car that, like, I don't, even, I, I don't even remember being there. 
but I've got a dozen of these. I thought, okay, wait, oh, here we go. Look at this. And remember these? Like you take film into a store and like they develop it for you and they come back in these. I'm like, yes, look at this. All right, some of you know me and you know something that I loved when I was younger. I talked about it before. I went to one KISS concert. These are all pictures of my one KISS concert. And they all look like this. Because I had a, one of those plastic cameras that took 24 pictures and you throw it away. That's what I had. In fact, I have pictures where you can see KISS in big letters. And then I have like, I've got like 20 pictures. i, I got to show you this one. All right. Um, so I, I call this person Joe and this person Janet. I have no idea who they are, but they're in like 15 of my pictures. <laughs> I have all these pictures of the back of the head of two people I don't know because I couldn't move. So they're all in my pictures. I don't even have Kiss in here. Like I have none of them because my camera wouldn't reach the stage. This is what I thought was important. I was so upset when I went through this box, I almost threw it away. Because this stuff has no freaking value. I probably shouldn't have said that word. In 20 years, actually for a moment, I want to say something to every man in this room, whether you're a dad or a son, I want you to listen. In 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, so much of the junk that we think is so important is not going to matter. You do not want to come 20 years from now, 30 years from now. You don't want to stand before your Lord with this. Like all these decisions that I made because I thought it would be so fun to do this or I thought I needed this or I thought this amount of money or this much alcohol or this much whatever, watching this much sports would really mean something. It's not going to matter. What's going to matter is how you honored Christ. Men, What's going to matter is how you treated your wife. Because she is worth far more than you are ever going to be able to give to her. What matters is how you treated your kids. What's going to matter is how you honored your Lord. Let that sink in. I don't want this to be my legacy when I stand before the living God. I want something far more than this. I want to stand before him as Paul did and say, I boldly honored the Lord. Even when the decisions were hard, I made the decisions for him because eternity is so much longer than this little tiny strip of life that we have. Let's make it count. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son that you would give him for us, that you would give him for, for people who don't deserve your love. Trey said you loved us first. You had to love us first. 
Because we were never going to love you first. We want our stuff. We get taken over by our sin. We have all these things where we, in our hearts and sometimes in our actions, we're rebelling against you, but you loved us. And you gave your son and you offered us a meaningful life of doing something of real and lasting and beautiful value, honoring the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do. Oh Lord, give us a strength, men and women, to be those people that our lives may mean something in eternity and to those around us right now. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.